Good morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome, welcome. We're in Old Town, but we want to welcome those that are joining us at our Okatee campus at River Ridge Academy. And for those of you that are online this morning, we're so glad that you're here. I want to invite you as we get started to turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. And we're going to pick up this story in uh, in the life of Joseph, and we're going to actually skip one chapter from last week. Last week we were in chapter 37. This week we're going to actually going to go to chapter 39. And if you're just curious why, we'll go read chapter 38 and you'll figure out why. It's not about Joseph in that particular chapter, so we want to jump just into the life of Joseph this morning. But there's something I want to say just as we get started. Uh, all throughout history, one of the things that you realize is that there have always been people in history who have seemingly been punished or the way that we're saying it, right, this, the, during this series, the way that we're saying it is um, they experience a detour in their life. And they experience a detour in their life even when they do what's right. And that's, that's a really hard thing for us to embrace as we walk with God. Because we walk with God and we, we have this tendency to think like as we walk with God that, that everything's just going to go exactly the way we want it to and it's going to go exactly the way that we have planned. I don't know if anybody's tracking with that, but I know that's part of, you know, sometimes that's what I think. Like, I think, well, if I do this, if I just follow what God told me to do, like everything's going to be okay. And then all of a sudden, it's not and what do you do when it's not okay, right? What do you do when, when you're thinking in your mind like, man, I really thought if I just did what God told me to do that everything would work out exactly the way that I thought. And the reality of it is you have to remember, right, as you're walking with God, that even though things didn't turn out the way that you thought they would, it's the way he thought they would, right? Right? And that's, that's something that we all have to get to this place of learning to embrace. So we talked last week in particular like this big idea, and I just wanted to remind you of it this morning, is that detours are not meant to define you, right? They're meant to develop you. They're not meant to define you, so it's not one of those things like when something happens to you, you've got to carry it with you all along the way, and, and you have to kind of let that be this, this thing that's defining who you are, and it's like this, you don't even have to use it as a badge of honor. What you want to do with detours in your life, what you want to do when things don't go exactly the way that you had planned, is that you want to lean into what God's doing in the midst of it. You want to lean into what is he trying to do in your life? How is he trying to develop you along the way? And so in Genesis 39, right, the, the last, last week when we left Joseph, he had been sold uh, to these Ishmaelite traders and they were taking him to Egypt, right? So if you remember, just kind of recapping real quick, um, he has these dreams, he shares them, he doesn't have a great relationship with his brothers, um, so he's sharing these dreams and they get tired of it, they get tired of you know, him talking about those things, they get tired of him wearing that coat that his dad made him, representing the fact that he was dad's favorite, and they finally, they throw him into a pit, they were going to kill him, they decided to sell him instead, so they sell him into slavery, and that's kind of where we pick up the story this morning. And so as we pick up this story, there's one thing I want to mention, right? I don't know how many kids are, are here. I don't know how many kids might be at, at the Okatee campus, but I just want to warn you, like, heads up, this is kind of a PG-13 part of the, 
Joseph story. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with the Joseph story, but it's a little PG-13, so I'm just throwing that out there. But this is a great example for us as we walk in this of, of how these detours develop us along the way. Okay, so Genesis 39, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 first. Okay, so this is what it says. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt, By the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he he had some status in his life right there. But this is what's really fascinating along the way is, is what you see next. It says this, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. Now, I just want to pause there for a second. I just want to pause, and I want you, right, to consider your life for just a moment. You see, if you fast forward to the New Testament, and you get to even to where we are today, even beyond the New Testament, and you realize that as a follower of Jesus that you, you have the Holy Spirit with you. So in other words, like God is with you all the time. See, Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and go. Old, Old Testament was, he, he didn't really take up residence in someone's life. New Testament is he takes up residence in our life. And if the Holy Spirit's taken up residence in our life, here's one of the questions that I would like for you to consider today, just in, in, in your own life, is do people notice? Do people notice in your life that God is with you? Now, I'm not, I don't want to talk about the, the success, right? Because everybody has a different definition of success. For, for Joseph, it was kind of the way that he handled himself. It was the way that he managed things. Like there was this wisdom that came from God as he managed over the affairs of Potiphar's house. And he was in the position that he found himself. So, you know, he has that. But really the thing that distinguishes us from the rest of the world is that God is with us. He's with us. And so how does your life look different because God is with you? It should look different. And if you're sitting there kind of scratching your head wondering, well, I'm not really sure how my life is different, then you you may want to spend some time this week, like you're not going to solve this today, right? But you want to spend some time this week considering how should your life be different because God is with you, because it should. People should look at you and they should, even if they can't pinpoint it, right? Like, like Potiphar began to notice and he knew what it was. So people may not be able to pinpoint, like, there's just something different. It might just be a mystery to them. But for you, you're sitting there going, well, I can tell you exactly what's different. I have God in my life. Remember we talked about that last week. I have God in my life. So he notices that. So how about you? Then verse 4 says, this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. Isn't that great? And so there's a couple of things to consider. I don't know if you realize this, but Potiphar, he's not following God. 
right? He's reaping the benefit of who Joseph is, right? And that God is with Joseph. And honestly, like that should be part of our story along the way. Part of our story along the way is that people should begin to experience God's blessing through you. You become a conduit of God's blessing into the lives of other people because you're walking with God. And so a couple of things I just want to point out, okay? So um, just as I'm walking through this this week and I'm I'm, I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm reading uh, three or four different books that go along with this, commentaries and such. Um, and so here's just some, some highlights along the way of what I'm learning in Joseph's life uh, and how it relates to us in our life, right? And so here's my first thought. My first thought is this, stop complaining and start training. And here's what I mean, right? Stop complaining and start training. So if you look at Joseph's life, he had every reason to complain, didn't he? He had every reason to complain, and you could imagine him stepping in. If he gets to Potiphar's house, and he's got um, all of the other attendants or all of the other slaves that are gathered around him, it'd be really easy for him to just gather them around, right, and start telling his story and complaining about how he wound up where he is, right? Like, you guys just wouldn't believe what my brothers did to me, and, you know, like, they're gathering around the the coffee pot or the water cooler or whatever you'd want to say, and and he's just complaining and telling his story, like, I just can't believe that this happened to me in my life, and, you know, my brothers did this, and my dad did this, and I don't even know what my dad's thinking, and he would just go along the way, and he would complain, complain, complain. The interesting thing about Joseph is that doesn't seem to be what he does. But here's our problem. We, we live in a culture today, right, that complaining seems to be the normal thing to do. We get to this place and we just complain and we complain and we complain. We complain about our boss and we complain about the, 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 the work and we complain about having to do this and that and the other thing. And we just, I mean, we can complain about everything that we could ever imagine in our life. It's always about complaining. But here's the challenge that I have is how can you move in your life from being somebody who complains about all this stuff and I use the word training because, because I'm looking at, at the end of the story for Joseph, right? I'm, I, I know what happens at the end. I know what he says in Genesis chapter 50. I know what happens when his family comes back around. I know what happens when he interprets the, the dream uh, for the Pharaoh. Like, I know those things, and so I know what's coming at the end. So here's the thing. You don't know what's coming at the end of your life. But in each and every circumstances, if, de- if detours are not meant to define you, but they are meant to develop you, how are you being developed, right? How are you developing your skills? How are you training for what it is that you believe God has what's next for you, right? So, so a couple of examples. Think of it this way. Like, you might be in a place right now where you think that you should, you, you're working, but you should be the manager, so how are you training today to become a manager in your work? Or how are you training today? Maybe you don't want to be a manager. Maybe you want to own a company one day. So how are you training so that one day you can own the company? Um, how are you, let's go to another route and let's make it personal, okay? So if you're somebody who might be single in the room or somebody who might be single and you're watching online or you're at River Ridge today and you're single and you're sitting there going, well, one day I would like to be married, 
Well, guess what? Maybe you should carry yourself. Maybe you should begin training, right, in such a way so that you are, like, I would specifically speak to to guys. Like, if if you want to be married one day, how are you training in your life today to be the husband that your wife one day will need you to be? You see what I'm saying? We can complain about our lot in life. Oh, you know, I just, da, 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 da. Or we can actually go, I'm going to use this season to train for whatever it is that God has for me. Because I don't believe detours are to define me. I believe they're to develop me. And one of the ways that I am going to be developed is by training, which leads me to this, is along the way, get noticed for your work, not your words. Get noticed for your work, not your words. Now, this is a little d- different than when we talk about evangelism, right? I, I believe when we, when we talk about evangelism, there comes a point where you've got to tell people the good news. It's the good news, which means people need to hear it, right? That's different. But what I'm talking about specifically is in the workplace, which is where we find Joseph today, in the workplace, right, that you're noticed for the way that you work, not the way that you talk, Honestly, your words in the way that you talk can become a huge, huge distraction for the people that are paying attention to your life. So get noticed for your work. You know, when I, was, when I first had a position at a church, this goes back to, thank goodness, how old am I? I'm 46, so this was back 26 years ago. And I'm in this church, and it's a small little church in, um, outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, when I was in college. And I remember um, having the conversation with the senior pastor. His name is Dwayne Mills. And uh, I'm hanging out with Dwayne, and we're talking. And he's just kind of pouring some wisdom into me at that point. And he said this. He said, just make sure, like on a Sunday in particular, you're the first one there and last one to leave because that's when people notice you, Right? And so I did that along the way. I mean, I wasn't getting paid anything, but I did that. I showed up, made sure that I worked hard so that people would notice, and I didn't spend a lot of time complaining that somebody else was actually getting paid to do a job that I was actually doing, but I didn't say anything, and it just worked itself out. After about nine months, that guy wasn't there anymore, and guess who stepped into the position? It was me. And it wasn't because, you know, I probably deserved it. That's not it, but I had just spent the time working along the way. So get noticed for your work, not your words, especially when it comes to your work life, right? So that people, your boss, those in charge are paying attention. They're noticing like how you are different than those around you. And it will, it will wind up eventually paying dividends. Maybe not immediately, but eventually it will pay dividends. So pick this up now in verse six. This gets a, this is where the PG 13 comes in. I'm just kind of warning you, like you're just going to read, we're going to read this and there's just some things that are, are happening in here. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. How many of you would like to have that kind of guy around you, right? Like, I'll take that guy. Like, I don't have to worry about anything except what to eat. Joseph, and here's the description, he was very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Uh-oh. This is the PG-13 part, right? Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. His entire household. 
No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. So she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hands as he ran from the house. Okay, so I, I want to I talk about this for a second because this is, this is an important part of, of the story because it, it speaks to, I told you last week, like you don't see a lot of Joseph's faith uh, in, in the very first part. When you're first introduced to Joseph, you don't see his faith being, being mentioned much in Genesis chapter 37. Um, and along the way, right, we, we were introduced to it a little bit, that God was with Joseph and he had success in whatever he did. Like we saw that, right, in, in gen- the very introduction of Genesis chapter 39. But see, now we begin to see how Joseph had taken all of the things that he had been told about God, and it was beginning to become his own faith along the way, right? So, so as this is unfolding, right, he's being tempted by Potiphar's wife. He's being tempted to go and, and commit adultery with her is, is really the invitation. And, and it's one of those things where, honestly, like you could look at it and think, there's nobody that would ever know, potentially, Right? But Joseph is in this place where there's a couple of things that, that you've got to think about with temptation, okay? This is, this is where it comes in. Now, these aren't notes. These are just some things that, with temptation that you might want to write these down. The first one is this, that when, when you are experiencing temptation, right? And it could, be, it could be some kind of a sexual temptation that we're talking about. It could be, um, it could be pornography. It could be uh, an inappropriate relationship. Like, it can be all along the way, like any type of thing like that. Or it can just be simply any kind of other temptation that's coming your way. Like we're just talking about temptation in general. When it comes your way, the first thing you want to keep in mind is this. Keep your perspective. Keep your perspective. And here's what I mean. As you think about Joseph's life in this, right, what did he say first? He realized his position, right? So one of of his perspectives in this moment is, is he's realizing, wait a minute, um, Potiphar has entrusted me with absolutely everything in his household. He's withheld absolutely nothing from Joseph. This is Joseph's words, except for this woman who is Potiphar's wife. And so his perspective, right? That's the first part of his perspective. It's like, man, I, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up this, this relationship that I have with Potiphar because this is a, a pretty good thing. But the second part of the perspective for Joseph was what he says at the very end of it when he says this that why would I right why would I commit such a great sin against God and so that's that's the second part of his perspective the first part of his perspective is this relationship I have with Potiphar the second part of it is but I'm walking with God in this and Joseph probably began to notice, right, that, that the success and the favor that he had came from God, right? The wisdom and how to manage and oversee all of those things. Like, he probably knew something was different about that. And so he's recognizing, as I'm walking with God, I don't want to mess that up either. 
And so I'm very, I'm very mindful of it. So that's the first thing you want to think about when you're experiencing temptation along the way. One, keep the right perspective. And the second thing is this, um, have a plan. And it sounds weird, right? So you might sit there and go, well, how do I know when temptation is going to come? Well, honestly, let's just all admit, like, we know where we're weak. I, I hope you know where you're weak. I hope you know where your weaknesses are. I hope you know where, where it is, like, you might selfishly be dragged away and enticed, like, to move towards this particular sin in your life. And you're like, man, I've got to deal with that. So Joseph actually had a plan. I don't know if you picked up on that. His plan was, I don't want to be anywhere around this woman. That was his plan. His plan was, I, wherever she is, I don't want to be there, right? And so she, she also had a plan, by the way, which is one of the things that you learn about um, Satan, right? He has just this plan to try to mess you up. He has a plan to try to trip you up all along the way. And so Joseph's plan was, I don't want anything to do with this woman. Well, when he finds himself trapped, or seemingly trapped, right? She grabs him by the cloak. She's like, come on. And, and he, he tears himself away. And he runs, probably as fast as he can, out the door. And that's his plan. Perspective and plan will save you along the way. Which, by the way, this is just, um, I have this, this little phrase. It's called free for coming today. Right? So free for coming today. I don't know if you're, you're there. But look at 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. If you don't want to turn there, if you don't want to turn there, just mark it in your Bible. Okay? 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. Back up, back up to verse 12 with me, because he says this, Paul says this, so if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. So you might be sitting there going, I don't give in to temptation. And as soon as you say that, I just want to warn you, be careful, right? That's what Paul's saying. If you think you stand firm, another translation says, be careful lest you fall. He doesn't want anybody to get tripped up. But this is how he, he speaks to temptation in 1 Corinthians 10.13. He says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not allow you, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And that's just a great promise. And it's part of um, all of us in our life, you know, having a plan and realizing that even along the way, right? Temptation's going to come. And by the way, temptation's not sin. Everybody that I know of experiences temptation from time to time in their life. Probably daily. And so it's not, it's not that. It's, it's not sin, right? It's not a sin to be tempted, right? The sin is when you... When you allow yourself to be overtaken and overcome by the temptation that comes along the way. Now let's pick back up in this story in verse 13, if you would, um, uh, because now, now you get to this place, right? This is, the, this is the, the problem that a lot of us have, is we get to this place and we're like, I did the right thing, I did the right thing, I did the right thing. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm going to guess that there are some that are listening that have done the right thing and it hasn't gone well for them. Like you've done the right thing. And that's what Joseph did. Like he did the right thing. He, he didn't want to, he didn't want to dishonor his, his master. But he also didn't want to dishonor his relationship with the Lord. And he said, I'm going to run away from this. And he ran away from this. But it still didn't go well for him. So listen to what happens in his life. When she saw um, uh, that she was holding his cloak and he had fled... 
This is nice. She called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind me. Uh, She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home, and then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave that you've brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. And and if if you've never heard the story of Joseph, you're reading this going, man, that's just not right. That's just not right. So there's, there's a couple of things that, that, that I want you to keep in mind with this, right? Um, and, and this is hard. This, this is so challenging for so many of us in our life. And listen, I, I told somebody years ago, years ago, that I, I, I do believe, I know that Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but I'm telling you, it, it is still a challenge to walk with him. Like, it, it's, not, it's not this easy uh, thing for you to do in your life. Like, it, it's, not, it's not like you're just going to step into this and go, everything's going to be perfect for you. Uh, I, I knew a guy one time that said, just because you follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that you're never going to get a flat tire in the rain, right? Sometimes you get a flat tire in the rain, and sometimes it goes way worse than that for you. And you're sitting there going, why, why, why? In fact, that's the story of David when you look through the Psalms. I mean, he's always asking that question. But when you realize, right, what God is doing in your life, right, He's more concerned about developing you and molding you and shaping you into the person that He desires for you to be, right? The person that's going to live on mission with Him. The person that's going to desire to impact the world and go and share the good news. Like, He's molding and shaping you into somebody, that he wants you to be. And as he does that, it gets challenging at times because a lot of us are rough around the edges, aren't we? And so we look at things and we don't understand it. We don't get and we don't totally understand because we don't see the end. We don't see Genesis chapter 50 when we're only in Genesis chapter 39. We don't see what God's going to do at the end and how he's going to use Joseph to deliver an entire people. Oops, I just that's a spoiler alert. Like we don't see that. All, we, all we're living in is in the here and now, and as we live in the here and now, we're going, but God, this isn't fair. And that's how we view it. And I want to I throw two more things at you real quick just along the way is this. God can't, um, uh, what seems like punishment is preparation. That's a tough one. What seems like punishment is actually preparation. Now, I'll, I'll be honest, like depending on, depending on how you were raised, like you have this, a lot of baggage. You carry a lot of baggage around the idea of punishment. Some of it's, some of it's a religious thing that maybe you were, you were raised in a religious context that really talked about punishment. Maybe you were raised in a home where there was extreme punishment. Um, so I understand like some of you are carrying a lot of baggage with that. And so I want to say this, like what seems like punishment, God uses as preparation. What seems like punishment, and you're sitting there going, why God, why, why, why? And and we're trying to reconcile that in our minds, and God's going, 
it's happening so that I can prepare you for what I have in store for you next because he knows Genesis chapter 50. Because not only does he know it, he's writing it. And he's writing it in your life. And so for you, like you may even look at it and go, what did I do wrong? And sometimes it's not about what you did wrong, but it feels that way for you. It feels like punishment. But you got to understand, like when God is in it, when God's in your life, what feels like punishment is actually preparation for what he has in store for you. And here's why. Here's why. Because God can't promote you until he prepares you. He can't promote you until he prepares you. You see, a, a lot of us in our life, we live in, a, we live in a culture, and this isn't just a generational thing. This is just our culture right now. Everybody, like everybody wants to be successful. They want to be a millionaire. They want to run their own business. Like they have all of these dreams. And I totally understand like having dreams along the way. But the reality of it is um, you can't get to where you want to get to unless you're prepared along the way. But here's the bigger picture for you in your life is if you're someone who follows Jesus, it's not about what you want, it's about what he has for you. And as you're walking with him and as you're following him along the way, he's going, but I have this in store for you and I can't promote you to what I have next for you until you're prepared for it. And once you're prepared for it, then you can get promoted for it. The problem is, the preparation sometimes leads you to prison. That's a tough one. The preparation sometimes leads you to prison. And that's exactly what happens in Joseph's life. Ready? Let's pick up. Verses 19 through the end of the chapter. Verse 19 through 23. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. I don't know, if you're like me, like I'm reading this story and I'm going, for all that Joseph did for Potiphar's house, like it doesn't seem like he even was willing to listen to Joseph, right? So in, in our minds, right, what's the word? It's not fair. That's not fair, and that's how we view it. So he, he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything and the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Isn't that awesome? I, I love it. The two things that, that I just want to mention to you when, when I'm reading this, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm reading this and, and the first one I think is is one of the most challenging parts of, of this whole story. And listen, I, I want to admit, like I, I don't know every person's story. I, I know my story, and I know a few people's story in, in like what, what God has done and what has happened to them along the way. And, and I want to I say this. I know that some of those stories are incredibly painful. I, I know that that somewhere along the way in, in a lot of people's lives, there have been 
there has been so much hurt, sometimes unimaginable hurt. And, and so my next, my next point that, that I'm, that's on here is, is don't hold on to hurt. And, and I understand like that's an incredibly challenging thing for a lot of us. But see, when, when you hold on to hurt, and with that hurt comes this unforgiveness, and with unforgiveness comes bitterness, and bitterness begins to just slowly eat away at your soul. And so what, what, what I want you to think about with Joseph's life, because I, I do believe, like Paul wrote in the New Testament, he said these things were written for our instruction. And he's referring to all of Scripture. And so when I, when I look at the life of Joseph, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I, I don't know how he did it. Like, I'm sitting there, and, and I'm reading about the things that happened to him, and I don't know how he didn't hold on to hurt. Whether it was from his brothers who wanted to kill him, wound up uh, throwing him into slavery to wind up being a slave in Potiphar's house, to then being accused of something that he didn't do. And then as he was accused of that, he winds up back in prison, right? And, and everything that we read at the beginning of chapter 39 now replays itself at the end of chapter 39. So the same things about God being with him and like all of that stuff that we talked about early on, it, it replays itself. But listen, you, you, you don't get to that place if you're going to hold on to hurt, right? If you're going to hold on to hurt, like you're going to spend more time complaining than training. You're, you're going to spend more time talking than actually working and letting people notice who you are. I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt. I know that it hurts. I've been through my, my own part of hurt in my life. Not to the extent that some of you have, and I really do understand that. But listen, don't allow what somebody else has done to you or don't allow what has happened to you at the hand of somebody else control, right, the future that God has for you. Because I want to tell you, like, God is bigger. Like, we sang these songs earlier, and God is bigger, right, than anything that you're ever going to go through. It doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. It just means that you don't have to hold on to hurt. Because, listen, everything that you've gone through, everything that you've experienced in your life, we have a Savior who has walked through it as well. We have a Savior who's walked through it with us. So when we're talking about, man, you can give Jesus your life and you can follow Jesus and all that stuff. I want to tell you, like, he, he knows, he recognizes the hurt that you are feeling. Like, he feels that hurt. But what, what he does is he says, but you don't have to hold on to that hurt. Because he is bigger than any hurt that would ever happen to you. And I know in your mind you're going, but how could, because here's the question that we all ask, how can a loving God allow those things to happen to us? And it's a very good question. And I wish that I could give you an answer that's going to make you go, okay, great, I love that answer. But, but my, answer, my answer doesn't do that, because my answer is that because um, God... God has allowed sin into the world. And here's, here's one of the things that you got to know. Is even though sin is a part of the world, 
right? And even though sin brings destruction and pain and hurt, and we all understand that, if sin had not entered into the world, you would never know the love of God through Jesus Christ the way that you do. And I'm, I'm not saying that it makes everything okay, but in some ways I'm saying it's going to be okay. Because your heavenly Father, right, your heavenly Father knows. He knows what's going on. And so when you talk about hurt, and even though I can't even begin to imagine your Father, your heavenly Father knows exactly what you're talking about. And He is walking with you, and He takes that hurt, right? And He uses that hurt to mold and to shape you, right? It's, it's, like, it's like the potter. I mentioned this last week. I've, I've, you, you take the potter, and yep, there's some stuff inside of that clay, right? And it's not, we don't look at it and think, man, that's great, but the potter can put that into the to clay. And he uses it to become this beautiful vessel that he desires and that he wants. So don't hold on to hurt. And here's why. Big picture, right? Because the pathway to blessing goes through brokenness. You see, I I know a lot of people that talk about they want to be blessed, they want to be blessed, they want to be blessed, they want to be blessed. But I'm going to tell you this, that when you look along the way throughout Scripture to, to, to experience and know the blessing that you see in the Scriptures, everybody that has experienced the blessing of God has gone through brokenness. And I can give you example after example after example after example of people that in the midst of their brokenness, right, they allowed God to use it to mold and to shape them into the person that God desired for them to be. And on the other side of that, they got to experience the blessing of God in their life. They would have never gotten there, right, if they had continued to hold on to hurt. And I'm telling you, God, I I don't understand all of his economy, but, but somehow, some way, he takes these terrible things that happen to people and he uses them for, for our good in his glory. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily know how. I, I don't know. I, I don't have all of the answers, but I'm okay with that. Because why? Because, because I serve a heavenly father that does know all the answers. And I wish I could give you an answer sometimes that would make it a little bit easier for you to digest that. But, but somewhere along the way, I, I ended last week the same way. Like somewhere along the way, you, you just have to trust him. You just have to trust him. Listen, the story of Joseph, he went from being in control and in command of all of Potiphar's house to an accusation that wasn't true to finding himself in prison and in just a matter of a few verses he winds up being in charge of everything that's happening in that prison that happens when God's in it that's what God does when he's writing the story and that's what he'll do when he's writing the story of your life and the pathway to blessing goes through brokenness I'd love to pray for you and then we're going to stand and sing If if you're going through some things today I just want to make this invitation to you 
Like if you're going through some hurt, like you're, you're struggling along the way, would you just grab one of us? I'd love the chance to, to talk with you and pray with you. I, I know that it, it sounds, you know, we talk about this stuff on the stage and we're looking in the scriptures and it seems like, man, he doesn't really know what's going on. And I would love the chance to know what's going on if you're willing to share and open up. And I'd love the chance to pray with you. I know at Okatee, Matt would do the same thing. So let me pray with you. And as we close our service, if you are in need of prayer, uh, would you just come and find someone that can talk with you and pray with you? Stand with me and let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the challenge of it. Lord, it's not easy. And I hope that I haven't made it sound easy. But Lord, I, I know that when, when you're in it, when you're walking with us, when we're walking with you, when, when these things are happening to us, and yes, they are so incredibly challenging and painful at times, God, we know that you're working. We know that you're working. And so, Father, I pray for all of us that are listening today. I pray this, that we would learn to trust you. And we would learn to trust you in the good times, and we would learn to trust you in the hurting times. Believing that you are working for our good and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.